This week's Raider game against the Chiefs is brought to you by America First Credit Union, the exclusive home of the official Raider debit card. All of the same great features and benefits now with the silver and black. Learn more at AmericaFirst.com slash Raiders. Utah Jazz blow out the Philadelphia 76ers 118-96. Hassan Whiteside is back and looking good. You got any worries out of this, PK? Any nits you want to pick? Because that was a pretty solid performance from start to finish. Any nits I want to pick? Well, nitpicking. <laughs> Never heard that. You haven't? No. Oh, yeah. Any, he's I mean, he's used that on the show before. I mean, I've heard yeah. of zits I want to pick, but not yeah. nits. <laughs> well, nitpicking is weird because it references, uh, and I don't know, it must be some old expression. Right. Do you have anything you want to nitpick about? But exactly. nits that I want to pick? Well, Yes. Better be careful on that. I know. <laughs> it could go wrong. It didn't, but it could. <laughs> you know, or else we'd have to fly high and ultra big flag. Careful. <laughs> no. Not, not not right now. No. No. Not at all. No. Nothing. Philly had one decent quarter, the first quarter. They led 32-27, and then the Jazz locked them up. Never scored more than 22 points in a quarter after that. Jazz won every quarter, just kept pulling away. Led at the half. Opened there was it up. so much positivity, man, that I was almost appreciating it. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was I'm serious. The bench was good. The starters were good. The offensive rebounding has been a problem. wasn't a problem. The turnovers and fast breaks had been a problem. Weren't a problem. So apparently some Yahoo, Pat Beverly, and somebody else said something about Rudy. I mean, yeah. I know Holly was playing that up big time. And that was the big issue. And uh, oh, I, don't, I don't, I don't, I don't make fun of anyone. I don't, <laughs> I don't take shots at anyone. But they continue to take shots at me. I don't understand it. <laughs> Furthermore, who cares what Pat Beverly says? <laughs> oh, brother! But Rudy always answers the questions. He never coughs an attitude. Like oh, I don't want to talk about that. I mean, but that's that's what the, she was she was all excited about. Uh, so I thought that was funny and entertaining as far as that goes. And he did play well. I think it's the fact that you're going up against Embiid, yes. not what Beverly said, because Embiid's a premier player. Yep, totally agree. I mean, he's got a lot, a lot of skill, man. He's the, he might be the uh, utmost prototypical big man, even though you got uh, the yoke man, Jokic, because I think Embiid is... Uh, a better, I'd have to look at the numbers, maybe I'm wrong, but it seems like he's a better perimeter shooter. But obviously Jokic is very, very good too. Uh, and Gobert doesn't get that type of acclaim because he doesn't have the offensive game to match that, and he doesn't have the offensive game that has anything basically beyond a dunk or some type of gangly Eurostep thing to the rim. Uh, so he's not going to get that. People are going to take shots at him. The old Shaq line last year, it's not old, I think it was last year, you know, to get a hundred million, all I had to do was average uh, thirteen points. You know, well, I was thinking about that, and, and Shaq has said that. But the difference is, Shaq's not watching Gobert every single game. He just isn't, nor can he. It's it's he has too much to do, and he's not focusing on the Jazz. He's got to focus on the league, right? And the league forces you to pay attention to these teams. I was telling you, Jay Williams, the old Duke guy who got in a crash, I think, uh, with the Bulls, so his pro career never materialized. They had him on Phoenix radio, and they're asking him, you know, when do you ever talk about the Suns? He says, we got to talk about LeBron. 
which, play the hits, which is what backed up what Paul Pierce had said after he got run. Mm-hmm. He got I got sick of talking about LeBron. So they force you, and Shaq is in a similar situation. They force you to go on the bigger market things. So you're not paying attention to Gobert, and to fully appreciate Gobert's value, you literally have to watch him virtually every game to see in that Cleveland game how his defense in those last couple of minutes was so dominant that he won the game for you. And it takes a lot of pressure off your offense knowing, well, we don't necessarily have to score. We don't have to outscore people to win because we've got this guy. And this guy can do so much defensively. But it's it's not statistically based necessarily unless you're doing extremely deep dives. And only guys like Locke do that. They're called nerds. They're basketball nerds. And I don't mean that in a negative way. And I think even in Patrick Beverly's case, when you're playing in the league, there's a limit to how much you get to watch because you're playing and you're traveling. And the Jazz aren't on that many national broadcasts. And you're going to watch the big game of the night on the rare chance you have time. Yeah, I mean, you can buy the package look and watch it on a computer can. if you want it. Yeah. But the Beverly's always popping off. He about is something. always popping so, I mean, off. That's just that who was he is. when he got that tea. I got a tea for talking. I've been talking for ten years. I was actually a pretty good comeback. <laughs> right. I'm right. always talking. Right. Yeah. Didn't was it was it uh, was it, it was last pretty, year or the year before? No, it must have been last year because he didn't he full push Chris Paul in the back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Paul's walking away, and he comes up and pushes him like that. I mean, so who, as you just said, who cares what what Beverly thinks? Because he's always got something to say. And good for him because he's a marginal player who's managed to blast in the league and draw attention to himself. Absolutely. And he's been able to grind out a good career. (laughs) And he's got to play on the edge and play with that fire because he's not beating you because he's, you know, 6'10 and more athletic than anybody else. Yeah, he's not Kobe by any stretch. No, no. He's a smaller guy. Right. He's got to be out there and be feisty and get after it. But the only way uh, Gobert's value is going to be watched, or appreciated, I should say. Is to watch is, it routinely. Yeah, Like like we all do. Yeah. Like our fans, our listeners do. Well, the fans of, of the team, like we do, the media. Part of Beverly's deal was, you know, as an elite defensive player outmatched up with different people on the perimeter, and he's kind of roaming. Well, first off, that. that makes him a really good defender and helps his team win, so keep roaming, Rudy. But second off, he does get matched up. If you, It's like you said, you got to really watch games and look for it, but he does get matched up with guys in the perimeter. Everybody here remembers, and there's no chance that most of the league remembers. But everybody here remembers he got matched up with Doncic with the game on the line a couple of years ago. And Doncic blew by him and Rudy spun and followed him to the hoop and blocked the shot to save the game with time running out. He does get matched one-on-one. Now, he doesn't get matched up one-on-one with Doncic, you know, 10 straight possessions. No, and I agree with you 100%. The thing about that my comeback to Beverly is, okay, you're assigned Steph Curry. And you can affect Steph Curry's game. Good, good, good on you for doing that. Gobert can affect everybody's game defensively, not just one player. You're assigned to guard player fill-in-the-blank, the best offensive player, perimeter guy on the other team. And that's I don't marginalize that assignment. Gobert can literally defend everyone because it doesn't matter if you're a perimeter player or who you are, you're looking to take it to the basket. Ultimately, the goal is to get it in the basket, and the closer you are to the basket, the percentages are going to increase. Well, that's where Gobert is. He is the ultimate basket defender, 
And he can move. He's got ability to move from side to side, front and back, and so forth. So he and, and his strides can get allow him to block a shot if you have a half a step or a full step ahead of you. So I didn't think that that was necessarily a good argument on Beverly's behalf because the first thing I thought, well, okay, yeah, you're guarding one guy. Gobert's guarding everything. He's guarding the whole area. And that's why so few people get there. And not only that, and that's all true, but on top of that, every Jazz perimeter defender is defends the three better because they know they got Gobert behind him. You're not as worried. You don't want to get beat. You want to stay in front of your guy, but you can really close out on a three-point shooter because if that three-point shooter pump fakes and drives, he's going to Rudy. So he's a huge weapon. But, I, I mean, they talked about it on the broadcast, but that's fine. I mean, it's like you used to say this when you were a beat writer. Like, well, you go down there and find a story every day. <laughs> you know, you got to write about something. So when somebody hands you a fresh quote, taking a I run got, with oh, it. Oh, yeah, I don't have a problem with so that. so many. I mean, they got, no, they got yeah, they got 82, 82 regular they got season games plus some preseason and some Oh, playoffs. zero problem with yeah. them highlighting so, that uh, Travis somebody and, in Minnesota said yeah, something. Travis Fine. and Bowler and Holly and, uh, got no and Big T. I mean. If Patrick Beverly's going to hand him a storyline, taking a run with it. Of course, and it was the night before, literally. Literally the night before. So I've got no problem with them doing that. I I just think that playing Embiid is going to get you fired up. Absolutely. He's a a really good player. They've had good battles, and they get judged versus each other for all NBA teams and stuff like that. If you don't get up for Embiid, what are you doing in the NBA? Because you want to go against the best players. That's Joe's Joe's on with us at 9.30 this morning. Joe's talked about the allure of when you're another league. Hey, can I get a little better? Can I make it there? You know that's where the best players are. Mm -hmm. And and I actually think for for uh, for the Jazz and their position that they're in right now, They've got to come up with uh, some mind games along the way. Like the big thing now with Washington is 4-0 on the trip. Yep. And the reality is if you go 3-1, and one, it's, you know, it's, nothing's going to be lost except a singular game to Washington. Washington's a decent team this year. But you've got to play mind games to yeah. keep yeah, yourself right, right. focused. So 4-0. 4-0 road trip. 4-0 yeah. road trip, man. That's what it's all about. 4-0 road trip. A- any road trip, that a, a, a four-game a four road trip comprises a week. Usually, if not a little longer, and an undefeated week, an yeah. undefeated road trip, yeah. it's a good thing, right? You feel good about yourself on that. So plane tomorrow right now. they're going to pump up, finish off this road trip four and zero. Yeah, I get it, absolutely. They should, because you. It's like if and if you ever drove cross country, I have a few times, and if you just sit there, like, oh my gosh, I've got uh, you know ninety seven hours in the car. It's like. You know, had the best way to eat an elephant is one bite at a time. You know what I mean? Is that, is that the phrase? Is it an elephant? That is. Uh, yeah. So when you're on a long road trip, okay, what's the next city? You know, how long until then? And maybe I'll stop and go to the bathroom and get a Coke and, and uh, some M&Ms or something. You know what I mean? It's just stuff to help you get through. Or I'll listen to this CD and it's... Get a, a podcast. It's an hour long and, and that, that'll that get me, if I've got a nine-hour trip, you know, I'll be that much closer. So you play these games with yourself, at least I do when I'm on these trips and they get into mind-numbing situations. And that's what these guys got with all these games. It tends to be mind-numbing, traveling from city to city. So now you got an opportunity to be 4-0 on this road trip. Not not that any of these teams that you beat, uh, you're going to see them in the finals because they're all other conference teams, I guess, except for Minnesota, obviously. But still, 4-0 is a great road trip. And you've got a great road record, interestingly enough. 
Home is where the problems have been. <laughs> the road, you can't complain about the way things are going on the road. Which I think that was just coincidental to a little bit of a team slump, that the fact that those games were at home, I think if they played like that on the road against those same teams, they would probably lose those games too. Nine and four at home, nine and three on the road right now. And two of those three losses came the same weekend because Miami and Orlando got them back to back one Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess Orlando would be the road, the road loss the Jazz really regret. How did that happen? Orlando is not good. No, they're not. They they were hot that day, and Cole Anthony and got some got some stuff going on, and it, it's going to happen. They're they're going to have more, uh, probably at least five losses coming this season. Uh, man, I didn't see that. That's that's so called a bad loss, but there's so many games that bad losses for this team really won't occur until the postseason if they should occur at all. Losing at Chicago and Miami, no loss is acceptable, 82-0. and 0. But mm, realistically, Chicago's really good, Miami's good. Those are decent ball clubs. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's the loss to Orlando is the road loss that jumps out. Uh, I get it, but, you know, so what? Hey, if you're winning 75% of your road games, you're in a good spot. I don't know that they'll do that. But I don't know that they won't do right. that. that. That's where they are right now. And the only teams that can say that are the Jazz and the Nets, who lead the East. And then Golden State and Phoenix are a little better. 7-2 and two for Phoenix they on the road and 9-2 and two for the Suns on the road. The great thing about the Jazz is that, so last night watching the game, you see, okay, Philly makes a little bit of a run. And then it reminds me of a different version. I watched a ton of Laker ball in the 80s. Everybody knows that. And I was covering the Clippers, and I did a lot of Lakers sidebars in the postseason and all that stuff. And so, you know, it was really where I was at. In fact, at that, at that point in my life, NBA hoop was by far my favorite sport, right, during that time, because I was immersed into it. And Showtime, they used to just blitz you. They get to, and we've all seen it, get the ball. Cooper, Worthy, Magic, and it's just like a big old wave coming at you, man, and you better get out of the way or you're going to be crushed. And they'd score in bunches. And so the Sixers make a little bit of a run, and then I think it cut it down to like five or something. And then the Jazz, boom, two three-pointers. So they don't do that. In fact, I don't think anybody does it to the level of Showtime, the fast-breaking. But their ability to score in bunches is the point I'm making. And so they hit two three-pointers, and you get, a, you get a stop in between and a five-point deficit, or a margin, I should say, or a deficit for the other team, all of a sudden now is 11. Because they have that ability so quickly to come down and get a great opportunity from three and then make it. And they've got, any given time, three or four guys that can make a three if they're open and nobody bats an eyelash. And... That that's somewhat demoralizing. Yeah, I mean, you work hard to get the cut the deficit to five. Yeah, and then two possessions, it's right back up to eleven. And I think in both these last two wins, Minnesota and Philly, they have demoralized the opponent in the third quarter with exactly that run you're talking about. Uh, Locke will probably say this. He'll be on with us at nine o'clock, and he will probably talk about how the Jazz offensive ratings is just off the charts. It leads to Quinn's point that these runs are not a product of their offense that they routinely score on three possessions out of four or four out of five. If they're going to go on a run, it comes down to how do they defend. Because otherwise, 
yeah, you scored 12 points on five possessions because you're hitting threes and you're unstoppable, but it's not really a run because it's 12 to 9 because you're not getting stops. If you just get stops, the Jazz are going to score on so many possessions that those runs are going to come and they're going to come often because offensively, they are really set up to succeed. Yeah, they got so many ways to get you. You take something away, they just score a different way. They score with a different player. They score at the rim. They score at the free throw line. They hit you with the three. They score in transition. They're really hard to stop. And Locke's got, he was running three. If you were listening last night at the end of the game, he and Booner talk, and, and then they bring in Tim Lacombe and Jake, and they talk, and they were just rattling through the offensive ratings. And the Jazz offensively are just crushing it. So it just comes down to do you get stops? And against Philly, you give up 22 points in the second quarter, 22 in the third, 20 in the fourth. Jazz aren't losing when they're defending like that. they got way too many offensively uh, talented guys to get beat when they're defending like that. So it really comes down to get a few stops, you're probably going on a run because you're scoring most of the time. Yeah, and that's very impressive that they, that they can do that. And that is why Quinn has been turning every postgame question about offense into an answer about defense. Yeah, for about six or seven it, it's years almost now. To the point, of it's monotonous. Yeah, DJ and PK, it's ninety-seven five and twelve eighty. The zone. The Pac-12 commissioner is shaking it up. You know, there's a way to do things, PK, and as far as he's concerned, it's apparently the wrong way. So we'll get to that next. Stay with us. It's the fifth annual Black Friday sale. It's been extended through December. Davis Vision, tired of glasses or contacts? Get LASIK now and save 1400 bucks. There are limited spots available, so act now. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call 801-253-3080. 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. So, George Klyavkov, ready for the alliance, ready to start scheduling Big Ten games. Quote, when it comes to going from nine to eight conference games to be able to play one game against one of the other alliance partners, we're ready to do that now, Klyavkov said. I'm not saying the Big Ten should do that now. That's their decision. They have to make the decision about when that's right for them to do that. But the moment after they can get there, we're playing 12 games the following season. Ready to lose a conference game? Lose some conference, uh, I don't know, it would be rivalries. Not, not rivalry in the sense of your uh, in-state rival, but certainly playing teams more frequently makes stuff more interesting, juicier. I don't know that you'll ever get to that because you could just rotate. I think the idea is, rather than juicy, is to have attractive matchups in September. Yeah, and they've talked about even scheduling them off as pairs into October. Whatever. And not piling them all up at the start of the season. So Whatever. I mean, that... More of the Oregon, Ohio States, or Utah and ASU against Michigan and Michigan State? Yeah, whatever it might be. What they've got to do is just give the automatic bids, and then away you go. So it's not a question of, well, if I lose one, like Oregon was in this position, ultimately it didn't matter, although it did matter a couple years back when Herbert was a senior. You lose a non-conference matchup that you're willing to go, what was it, Auburn that year? And... The Ducks are willing to go way across the country, as far as you can go, west to east, lose a close game, and then the next-to-last game of the season in conference play, they lose a close one on a 75-yard bomb on a third and 16. And now they're out. It seems stupid. Yeah. You're out. You're 10-2. You're, you're and you're And you out. lost two close games yeah. on the road. 
one might have been a neutral site, but it's still on the road for you, and it's way in the Eastern time zone, and then you go down to Tempe in the penultimate game of the season, and you lose uh, an NFL kid, gets behind your secondary, and makes a great catch, and now you're out. That's The margin is too narrow there. That That shouldn't be... Because if you would have played Chico State instead of whoever it was, Auburn, I think, you win that game, and then you could sustain the loss to the Sun Devils. Because then you come back, and two weeks later, you beat a pretty good Utah team, and you really beat them up good. And you'll win the Rose Bowl. That Oregon that season two years ago was a playoff-caliber team. But they never got the chance in, in some regard because of scheduling. And the Pac-12, as we've stated a million times, it literally, so far since they've gone to the 12, is impossible to go 9-0. and It literally is. It's, a, it, it's not an arguable fact. No team has done it. Like the Utes got two years ago, they lose to SC, a bunch of NFL receivers, proven NFL receivers now. These guys are either in the NFL or going to be in the NFL, right? And I think they all are in the NFL, actually, off of that team a couple years ago. And they, Fink comes in, puts a couple balls up for grabs, and they catch them. And so, and then the Utes have a fumble to goal line as they're going in for a score, and then they lose the game. All right? That happens. No team goes undefeated. And then this year, Oregon State got them in a, in a weird game, a bunch of weird plays. It happens. And you're, I mean, it, Alabama, it happened to them. Right? Happened to them. A&M got them. Yeah. Ohio State. I mean, they're probably... Now, they didn't win the league. But they're thinking, well, if we hadn't played Oregon early in the year, brought in somebody you know mediocre we could have beaten, we'd be 11-1. We might have gotten it. Might have, spot. but they didn't win the league. and that, that, So that, that's... But would they have taken 11-1 Ohio State, or would they have taken... Cincinnati. Cincinnati. You're, you're the one who's told me it's a TV show, and yeah, Ohio State's going to get better you. ratings. I got you. And I'd like to think they would have taken Cincinnati, but I'm not 100% sure. Neither am I. And Ohio State didn't have the league title, so there is that. No, but that's just because two other, I mean, they, two teams that nobody else beat except one beat the other. Well, I guess Michigan had the loss to Michigan well, State. Well, it goes back to are they going to get rid of divisions here and just have the two best teams in the league play? Because they could have easily had a rematch, turned around and had a rematch of that game. Yeah, but at the same time, that rematch wouldn't have mattered in terms of more than one Big Ten team getting in. Because Michigan already had the Michigan State loss. Yeah. It would have been a more a little more Big 12-ish. Where you get rematches and suddenly everybody's got a second loss and right, you knock yourself right, out. Right, that's what yeah. I'm saying. So I think they only would have got one. But I think they need to put in the automatic thing. And then I guess, you know, maybe maybe you just brought up a point that I hadn't thought of then because then about the uh, at-large bids, is that going to hurt you? Because, as you said, so Ohio State loses that game. They don't win the league. Michigan goes on, and who they kicked crap out of Iowa. Was that what it was? Um, or they turn around and play Ohio State again, and it's a real close loss. And now you got two losses, but really because you played a tough non-conference game that somebody got you, you got three losses. So now you're out. So really, are we going to – did we just move the base bag the bag back, back a, a little bit? Yeah. yeah. And so did we just create new I think, problems? I think the other thing that's happening here is that as attendance drops, and it's dropping at a lot of stadiums, 
I mean, we can make fun of any one or two schools you want, but I think a lot of people are battling attendance issues. A lot of stadiums have been downsized. You and I have both been told of all the stadiums have been downsized in the Pac-12. They need good games. I mean, even Nick Saban in Alabama, you need good games and brand-name opponents if you want people to buy season tickets. And so if you're the Pac-12 and you're rotating through Big Ten teams, now, Klavkov will do it, and maybe that's one of the reasons it's an easier decision for them. Does the Big Ten feel that way? Are there enough Pac-12 teams coming in that are like, okay, that'll, that'll help us sell some tickets? There are definitely some Big Ten teams that need help with that. Ohio State and uh, Michigan don't. I don't know that it does. If I'm Utah and Indiana's coming in, I mean, if Ohio State's coming in, great, I got it. Uh, but and maybe you can even go to Penn State and Michigan State. Yeah. I would be interested in those games, I think, but I don't know if Joe Blow fan is. There's five brand names that are really good. Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, Penn State, and I think Wisconsin. Those five brand Wisconsin's names are already good. good. for sure. Right. Now, is Iowa, you know, maybe depending on the year, Nebraska used to be, but they're not now. And if, But see, the bottom of the league, like Colorado and Arizona, don't want any part of playing those top five brand names. They got enough problems trying to get to six wins. They're like, yeah, hand, well, me, hand me Indiana. Okay, or, but maybe you can do it. Because they will accordingly, exactly. And Klavkov is saying, "Hey, we're gonna we're not gonna schedule these games twelve years out and rotate through all the opponents. We're gonna wait and in January right. or February. What we're did gonna he say? figure it was out insane to do that. Yeah, right. Insane was the word he used. He said we're gonna figure out in January and February what are the games that are gonna put butts in seats and eyeballs in front of TVs. And at the other end of the league, you two are both struggling. We'll give you a shot to win a game here. And, that, and that's forward thinking. I mean, these ideas of scheduling these games in 2035. What are we doing? It just seems so silly. Yeah. What are we doing? And, 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 and the people who schedule them will be long gone in most cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what's the point? So, yeah, forget all that. Don't do that. Get through all that and then set things up. Why not? You can do it in the winter. I mean, Ultimately, Tom Homo proved to everyone, you can schedule I can games. do it on Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> it may not be ideal. It wasn't. Uh, <laughs> but but that, can. That was an unusual. But you're not going to do that anyway. Everything about that year yeah. was unusual. But yeah. the point is to leave one blank date in the schedule and say, okay, here's where we're going to plug games in. This hey, is what well, makes sense. You can sense. certainly do it in the winter before. Yep. And that's plenty of time to, to get things going. So just... Do that because you've got eight games slotted in, and you probably have ten games slotted in, if not eleven games slotted in. Because I don't know that they're going to do more than one. For a lot of schools, well, a lot of schools will do one, and that will be it. There might be. I don't want to see two Big Ten teams. Do you? Well, I guess it depends on who they are. But I was about to say, in the case of Utah, they're only going to do one. I think they only should do I think, one. I think that you're only going to do 10 Power 5 games. So I suspect they only do one. That gives them a chance to play BYU as a 10th game. Or anybody else. I mean, Florida is the example coming up here. If you get a chance to schedule an SEC team. I mean, ultimately, they might want to bring in an ACC team. You don't, I'm open to bringing in one more. I would hope that most of the time it's BYU. They're going to be a Big 12 opponent, so it's going to be a Power 5 game, and away we go. Oh, yeah, that'll have excellent ratings. Right. So 
they've talked about this eight plus one plus one model. I mean, Notre Dame and Stanford. It's, well, Stanford does try to play twelve power fives. I don't know what they're doing, but uh, they're, Stanford and, and USC are going to play Notre Dame, so they're already going to have that on the books. And there are other games that are scheduled for the next decade that you're just going to hold on to. ASU, I think, has scheduled some Big 12 teams out there, haven't they? I think they had Oklahoma State next year. Yeah. You're going to hold on to those kind of games. They're, they're perfectly good enough. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think they, <clears throat> they need to look at all these types of things. But I think the first thing I would do is get this stupid playoff set. And it doesn't seem like you're moving mountains here. They've got four plans. And like every league seems to want, there's like two or three leagues behind every plan, and they also want to veto one plan. So everybody knows they need to go to 12, but who's going to oh, give just on? Being stubborn. Yes, agreed. Agreed. It's bugging me. Is it going to be six, six, um, the top six league champs, or is it going to be the five power fives plus one? Which nine years out of 10 is going to be the exact same thing, but they're arguing over it. Your sport now has emerged to levels probably not thought possible. And here we are. And you've got the NIL. So stick the student-athlete crap. That's out the window. If, if Johnny wants to get a degree, Great. good for Johnny. But if Johnny doesn't want to get a degree, yeah, yeah, well, some, yeah. Some, okay. but, and Joe Fan doesn't care if Johnny wants to get a degree or not. That's up to Johnny. Uh, but if, you, if Johnny scores touchdowns, I love Johnny. Uh, and, and it's this isn't about academics. It, that's up to the individuals. You've been given a great opportunity to get this education. Now it's up to you to take advantage of it. And th- this whole thing, they don't get anything, has always boggled my mind. They're the same people who want to run up stu- oh, student-athlete, oh, but they don't get anything. Well, you get the education, so the benefit comes later. I don't. When I was going to college... I wasn't drawing a salary from a newspaper or a radio station. That was going to come. That understood, you know, right now, like being a doctor, I'm not going to be making all this money. That's coming down the line. That's where the payoff comes down the line. But now that they're making money in the immediacy, we can treat it a little more business-like. Because we certainly are with the men who are making outrageous amounts of money so and these players have this opportunity here, and so let's treat the sport as if it were professional. And I know that makes it a little queasy, but nevertheless, that's what they've got because it's massive amounts of money. So treat it as such. And what is the way that the public is going to want it, and make it even grow even more to think how massive it is? It can grow even more, and then just go with that. And then it's ridiculous, though, to think that some sixty-year-old, his mood and his life and everything is going to be determined by an eighteen-year-old. But that's where we're at. <laughs> I think it's ridiculous, and I refuse to get into that. But I'm glad you do. Not speaking to you personally, I'm speaking to you out there because that makes me money. And so I'm glad you do, and I'm glad you're fired up, and I'm glad I saw so many of you one week ago today, and your lives were made all that much better. Well, hopefully a lot of those people who were down there in Vegas, it's about doing stuff with friends and family. I mean, we were talking to... Uh, it's going to the Rose Bowl, man. To Chris Hill. Yeah, he's going to the Rose Bowl, and it's extended Their family. They've got burgeoning swells in your chest of pride because your team is going to the Rose Bowl. These kids here, uh, some of them are literal teenagers, are making you feel like you've got a big dog. You know yeah. those people who've got a big dog, somehow that, that makes their self-esteem better? 
because they've got a big dog. I see it. I see it when I take the dog up to the walk up by Albion. Some some guys who think their dog is the meanest, toughest dog, and somehow that makes you a tougher man. That makes you a loser. Is what it makes you <laughs> the biggest dog in the biggest truck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at me, man. And some people think that way. Like we had Brian Taylor on during golf, and he started to trash tell me. Oh, well, you went to that, and your team's a middling school. Brian, so you went to the U, so you're a better human being because they had a better football program? Is that what we're talking about here? Yeah, that's how it works. <laughs> I never got into or that Or in the stuff. case of Fresno State and UCSB, you got a worse life. Well, <laughs> <laughs> State's good. And then you, then you, see, you see people yeah. brawling. Yeah, I know. Out of control. <laughs> I just saw, and now there's all sorts of videos. You see it everywhere. I just saw last night. So oh, you're g- talking about the fans, not the teams. I was oh, talking oh, no, about I'm the teams. Talking, I'm talking about Oh, the yeah, you see Santa Barbara Long Beach State. I'm talking about the fans. Oh, uh, yeah, that turned into an all-encompassing. That was not good. And <laughs> I just saw one when uh, Ohio State fans were leaving uh, the big house because the game was at the big house this year, right? And these these fans are giving them the... Uh, Booing him, giving him crap. And these two guys walking up the aisle with flipping double birds. Not necessary. It's a football <laughs> game. <laughs> I can remember here at Rice Eccles when Washington came in at the end of the season and uh, they had that punt return. Of course, there was 18 blocks in the back, as Ute fans will tell you. Was it Pettis? Went mm-hmm. down the right side and scored or put the team in scoring position, whatever it was. And then the Utes had the opportunity to come back, and uh, the Troy Williams led them, but they didn't get in the end zone. And the DBs uh, in the end zone were celebrating. And I remember turning, and I'm on the Utes sideline, and I turn and look to, that would be the northeast corner, and I saw a bunch of grown men coming down the aisle to flip off the Washington kids. This, this just doesn't make sense to me, man. <laughs> next time we have Scotty G on, next time we have Scotty G on, we have to ask him, what is it about the tunnel at the Spectrum? We got multiple photos of multiple people headed up that tunnel all hot. There was that New Mexico State player with the bird. Now, I don't think he did the, the bird, but St. Mary's coast was certainly fired up, waving at people going up the tunnel. Oh, Randy Bennett Randy loves Bennett. to have some fun. Yeah, yeah, he was headed up that tunnel. He was on fire. Well, okay, but then the fans are giving you crap. Too. They are, absolutely. So it goes both ways. 100%. All right, DJ and PK, coming up next, question of the day. The first Saturday since September, no local college football. How will you survive? Got some good answers. We will get to them next. Then it's David Locke at 9 o'clock and Joe Ingles at 9.30, right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. This is Unripe. You guys are doing a hell of a job. We have with us Evan Dudley, the UAB beat writer. Anything you feel about the game, who's going to win it? First thought, I'd probably have to go with BYU. Obviously, they had a great season. Uh, you know, better Pac-12 record than half the Pac-12. They beat the <laughs> Pac-12 champion, you know, head-to-head. But I think BYU, uh, probably the better talented, better team. But UAB is also a team that gets the most out of its players. They're going to play physically, and they're going to try to give themselves a chance there in the second half against a really good team. That is unbelievable. Catch Unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Kieran. Weekdays from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. Visit the Ford Fan Zone on Level 6 at the next Utah Jazz game where there are free Papa Shot games, cornhole, and foosball tables. Enjoy incredible city and mountain views while relaxing, enjoying food and drink, taking in the game, and socializing with friends. Question of the morning. 
First Saturday since September without local college football is here. How will you survive? Let me just put on Taylor Swift songs. Jim says, there'll finally be enough snow to go skiing and not feel like I'm missing something. Ski day. You going skiing? Nope. Why not? Tore my ACL, jacked up my left oh. knee when I was in my 20s. Didn't, you're not wasn't, in your 20s. I know. Easier to get hurt, harder to rehab. <laughs> Never got good at skiing because I didn't live in an area with skiing Did until I. I was 30. It's me so too. I just stayed away from it. It's expensive. I'm not good at it, and I might hurt myself. I'm out. <laughs> you might hurt yourself. Yep. <laughs> that's the way you live your life. What, what can you do that's worth it that's not going to hurt yourself, potentially? Say that again. What can you do that's fun that is 100% risk-free to where you may not hurt yourself? Golf. That's not true. Oh, okay. Well, then it's a risk I'm willing to take. <laughs> My dad has watched a guy's knee get blown up. Well, yeah. then that's a risk I'm willing to take. Yeah. Yeah. You can. No, the odds of getting hurt playing basketball went up, so I stopped playing. And eventually, you just get old enough, and that's not a good idea anymore. Which sure, is too bad, but you I wouldn't really do it in your it. 30s. Yeah, I did. I played basketball in my 30s. I'm talking about skiing, not basketball. Right, right. But coming back from the injury, I knew how to play basketball. I was good enough at that. At skiing, disaster. I was a disaster. Because <laughs> you didn't do it enough. You were exactly. a disaster in golf, too. Exactly. But you did it enough. Now but you're not I'm a not disaster. I'm not going to hurt myself learning to golf, probably. The couple of times I did tweak my knee, I'm in physical therapy, and you, and you talk to them, and they're like, ah, it's busy here. And they're like, dude, it's ski season. <laughs> ski season's awesome for business. Yeah. I get it. it. Things are a, a risk. Right. Water so, skiing. Same thing. But you got to take risks in life to have fun. I'm well, not maybe telling I don't you know go I, repel Maybe mountains. I don't know what I'm talking about, but I would water ski. I would take a shot at that. Get up there. Yeah. yeah. You got a boat. You got access to a boat. Uh, do I do? You can rent one like uh, that. Okay, get yeah. out of town. The kind of dough you're bringing. <laughs> the cabbage you bring home. I know what you're making. You cabbage? bring home a hell of a lot of cabbage. Cabin. Yes, yes. That's an old school Jersey line right, right. there. Right. Hey, Yach, anybody down there at uh, Mountain View High using, uh, using cabbage for money? We did not use cabbage back in the day. I have heard it recently, though, from some Oh, it's coming back. Yeah. It's making a comeback. Cabbage no, is good. a thing now. Right. Garrett says, what am I going to do? The Jazz. The Jazz are playing Saturday. Saturday night? Yeah. It's until like 6 Five. o'clock. Five? Five? Five o'clock. Yeah. Yeah, college football it was giving you triple headers, quadruple headers. Right. I mean, you had the game starting at 10, and then I always I couldn't wait for uh, game days, the heart-wrenching story that Wojciechowski would do. Slept right through it. <laughs> oh, and the, and the tender music, and then they would just go straight to break. Yeah. Yeah, the, the one time, they, like, it was like Lloyd Cole's brother's in-law's cousin's nephew. They had re- to reach to really find did something. Did I say Lloyd Cole? I meant Lloyd Carr. Yeah, he said Lloyd Cole. I say Lloyd Cole. Lloyd Carr of Michigan. They really had to stretch to find somebody to die. (laughs) They love the tearjerker. That's always my favorite segment. And now we look, we watch it. I want to see uh, Kamala Howard listen to him uh, cackle, and then we cringe a little bit with Lee Corso. Thing, should they take him off? Is it time? We go through that every week. Get it out, Lee. Stay. Come on, Lee. You can do it. 
Herb Street's there with his hand on his back. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. And no matter what he says now, great point, coach. <laughs> it's so condescending. I know, but Kirk loves Lee. And he's sitting there rooting for him. Like, come on. Come on, Lee. But they've been on the road together forever. And I get it. Yeah, you know. And he can't give it up. He's like 86 years old. Is he 86 now? Something like that. Oh, wow. Well. And he doesn't want to quit. I get. I tell. I'm going to be there. <laughs> <laughs> One foot on each side of the door. Scotty trying to pull you out the door. Come on, PK. It's time to go. But the rest of us were always cringing. Uh, how embarrassing is it going to be with uh, Lee Corso? And then Desmond Howard. All he does is cackle. And pick Michigan. And just no matter what's said. Yeah, I, I think that uh, the offense is going to run reverse today. <laughs> Okay, but the show bugs you that much. Just stop watching. It doesn't bug me. <laughs> you don't like you don't like the tearjerker feature. I love You're it. You're cringing for Lee, and Desmond's irritating you with his laugh. Who said that, that? That's I didn't say any of that was irritating. I just noticed what it was. I go to the gym every Saturday morning. I got the thing on the radio with the serious uh, thing, so I plug it in. You ever watch Listen. the Fox pregame? Or I after have. they lost Urban, did it dial it back for you a little bit? Mm. Urban was very good at TV. He's very good at TV. His tubes isn't bad. I just don't think he's as good as Urban. I would agree with that. If but I got a lot of Pac-12 guys if there. If I'm so home. And they show Pac-12 stuff. Or so. I'm on the road. Point yeah. being, if I got the TV in front of me, I can flick back and forth. But on your phone, once you lock in on it, one, you're going to lock in on yeah, one. Yeah, and when you're yeah. exercising. So, yes, I've definitely watched that yeah. show. It's fine. Yeah, they're fine. They don't have the idea. I haven't been identifiable of the Desmond Howard Cackle. The emotional death story, and how much do we cringe about Lee Corso because he's getting way old? I think they got more Pac-12 content, and that's why I thought you might be into it. Not a lot more, but I think they got more. Too much SC, man. They do have a lot of SC. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. There's no point in arguing that. Two USC guys and a Notre Dame guy. <laughs> uh, Jay Hurtado at Jay Ute Fan says, I've got tickets to see West Side Story with Ad P.K. Kinahan. You're going to see a show. He's going to be singing and dancing. Yeah, he just made that up. I don't know who that person is. Who cares, says, uh, I'm watching LeBron and the Lakers circus. <laughs> Will that entertain you all year? Or once you know they're out of it, which is still only 26 well, what, what games. What does out of it mean? I think it probably means something different to everybody. Out of championship contention, out of contention for top four, unlikely to win a first-round series. Yeah. If and they drop down into playing territory again. If they again, get into the postseason and I see LeBron lose four, I'm not counting them out. Right now, they're tied for six, but they're tied for six and seven, so they're almost into that playing territory right now. I understand that, but I just wonder how much of LeBron is like, guys, don't worry about it. <laughs> I'll turn it on. I mean, he just had a triple-double the game before last, so... Uh, might even have one last night because I saw, I think I saw something. He's he's got the record for most triple doubles or some whatever whatever. If that means anything to you, I think Westbrook made that stat sort of because eh, you're putting up those triple doubles, but your team wasn't winning. It's about winning. Pro, pro sports is about winning. It isn't about stats to me. It's about winning. It's what is what is your value to winning? And guys, you need guys at all different levels to contribute value to winning. Royce O'Neal has a value to winning, but he's never going to be recognized as any great player. But that doesn't matter on this team. They need him to win ball games. So at the pro sports level, to me, it's all about winning. And I just wonder if LeBron's just holding back a little bit, figuring we just need to get in. I don't know this. Maybe it, maybe it's not. And maybe they're just not good enough. But 
I, yeah, st- I think I'm I, leaning more towards the not good enough. Okay, but I still think he's very dangerous. He likes to win. Nobody likes to lose, and he is very dangerous. But they're four and three in their last seven, I and know, that's that's got to bug him. It's so like sure. you said about that loss last night. You play in Memphis, who's a little over five hundred. They're missing their star player. There's no John Morant. They're going back to back. Inexcusable. Yeah, I get it. It was an inexcusable loss. It was on the road, though, wasn't it? It was at Memphis. Yeah, so... It was that case where you're in town waiting for them, and they come in playing back-to-back, and they win 108-95. And they don't have Morant. Come on. Yeah. You should win that game. And they didn't come close. And that Bane, that Bane kid, he's going to be the Bane of my existence as a bouquet versus Bane. I don't like that. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. David Locke's coming up next. He hates the freaking Lakers, so he'll probably have something to say about that. And we'll talk to him about the Jazz with another dominating road win. That's next. Joe Ingles at 930. Stay with us.